and welcome to Unwritten Imaginings, where lazy authors talk about story ideas that they'll never get around to writing. New episodes every Sunday. Let us know if you use one of our ideas and we'll give your story a shout out in a subsequent episode. Our innovative story ideas form the basis for over one successful web serial. Try one today. Yeah, you know, just the total of all of them so far. Just one web serial, that's all you can get out of it. Over one. One point... Over one. Oh, 1.3 successful web serials have been created from our ideas. <laughs> what? I don't know. That doesn't I'm, make any sense. I don't know. It's like, what What do you consider successful? <laughs> it's true. It's true. Like, do you consider 100 readers successful? I mean, then we have more than one. But... <laughs> hey, I have two web serials that have more than that. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I have I have two, and they're hovering around that number. Wait, how many how many followers does Eterna Source? I mean, honestly, technically, in terms of money making, I think Eterna Source even beats out Fantasia. Yeah. Anyways, one point. We'll go with one point six successful. <laughs> sure. If you add them all together. <laughs> Let's go with that. Okay. Whatever that means. All right. <laughs> This week, I do think we have something a little bit different again. Uh, we're going for one of your rehashes, Introduce right? yourself. Oh, introducing myself? Who does that? Who are you? <sighs> Nobody. That's who. Okay. I'm Atheo, author of Rune and Metagame on Royal Road and Scribble Hub. There you go. Very introduction. You have a fun fact this week? or you have I don't think I have a fun fact at all. Okay. I'm, I'm Eunice. I write, I guess, one indisputably successful web serial and one that's, you know, also there. <laughs> um, fun fact, I have uh, strangely small hands and feet for how tall I am. Um, okay. <laughs> it's uh, It doesn't really bother me until I try swimming and then I'm just extremely slow. Um, I see, I see. But yeah, so today we're going to do a writing rehash. Um, you know, mainly so that I can preserve my dwindling cache of ideas. And we're just going to do, you know, a classic in the fantasy world. Everyone should know her. Her name is Tamara Pierce. I always thought it was like pronounced Tamora, but uh, I read the bio and apparently it rhymes with camera, so it's Tamara. Yeah, that's usually pronounced Tamara. Really? Yeah. According to who? That's not even. It's not even like a standard name. Like, according to her, I have, I have three people that I know who are named the same thing with an, and it's all Tamra. T A M O R A. Yes. Really. Yeah. Um, according to her bio, the nurse made like a typo on her birth certificate. Um. Well, maybe it was a, it was a typo in her case. Okay. Anyways. Um. So apparently, despite how long-standingly famous she's been. Uh, Atheo has never read any of her books. To be fair, I read very small authors and, like, ones who do not write, you know, standard things, so... I mean, she's, like, pretty great. Yeah, like, she deals with, like, LGBT and stuff like that in a very... I don't know how you describe it. It's very, like, it just makes it feel natural. It's not even, like, it's an issue. It's, like, she writes, like, I guess it's, like, children's fiction that even as an adult doesn't seem stupid and then feels natural to you or feels natural to me 
feels natural. I'm pretty sure just anybody who reads it. I mean, I could go about reading it eventually, but anyway. So okay, we'll just we'll just I'll just explain the magic because, yeah. Um, so she has like kind of two main worlds. We're actually gonna go with the less famous one because the more famous one, the magic is just called the gift with a capital G, and then you can do stuff with it, and it's very like fun, standard, and not interesting at all. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna go with the magic system from the Circle of Magic series and the subsequent series, uh, where there are two types of magic. So you have your, I think they call it academic magic. So that's your pretty standard magic. You draw, like, it's in your own body and you draw upon it. You know, you can, like, use, like, magic gemstones or, like, spoken power words or carved runes and you cast spells. So that, that part's boring. But there's something called ambient magic and the premise is that certain people can draw upon the natural forces slash patterns in the world and instead of you know pulling power from their own bodies to cast spells they can just work with those patterns and therefore create much more powerful spells potentially so the for instance like the main four characters in in the series um, are a group of younglings, and one of them is like has thread magic, so like anything related to like weaving, sewing, thread, spinning, like spinning thread, like all of that is what powers her magic, and it. Uh... Do you, does she need to convince herself, or does she need to convince the world? Like she she uses that as her metaphor, so anything that can theoretically be spun together so or she woven. needs to convince herself yeah well like there are a lot of people who who have like thread magic and they can only like for instance like weave things that are like enchanted but like she's special because she can spin magic itself so what happens in the first book yeah so she's convincing herself yeah. not not magic what happens in the first book is like she accidentally like well not accidentally but kind of in the heat of the moment like spins her and the other three main characters like all their magic together and then they become like super powerful <laughs> anyways um and then one uh one guy's magic his is like magic with like plants and growing things so then he can make things like grow really fast and like you know anything that's made of like wood or petrified wood or any kind of plant matter he can sometimes bring it back to life if he throws enough power at it uh and then one of them is a smith mage so it's kind of a interesting mix of like power over metal and fire okay so yeah like the power in this seems to be based on the metaphor or at least the thought of control that each individual person has yeah so but like they actually have the also control over that actual like the elements required in in the magic and like the fourth one is actually like a weather mage so like she can like pull energy from like tides and like lightning and stuff but like hers is the most dangerous because she can overload and kill herself 
Well, I mean, all of them could probably do that, depending on the situation. Yeah, but, you know, playing with earthquakes and stuff, not safe in general. <laughs> yeah, no, it generally isn't considered uh, safe to play with earthquakes. Yeah. Essentially, what it comes down to is I think that the world is pretty open for, like, whatever is going on. But uh, the thing that stands out, really, is that it kind of depends on what each individual person's, like connection is is that connection based on like the individual in question or is it just like it happens to people so I, i'm saying essentially like does that connection that they have come from just like you're born with something and then it happens that theirs are these or does it come from their experiences and how they how they think about things uh, in, in the story, it's it's one that you're born with, and uh, if you have that kind of magic, like even if you don't know you have magic, you're naturally drawn to that whatever activity is your magic type. Okay, so that is, I mean, I'm not much a fan of it, but I can work with it. I mean, we can change it. This is all rehash thing. Yeah, but it's true. It's true. So. I I think the, the big thing that I would want to do first is you're not born with any inherent link to anything. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, jibe with the things that I like dealing with. Uh, and instead, it's more like uh, whatever your experiences are shape how you interact with this force. And it, it essentially takes on a form that's more... Not necessarily recognizable, but more of, like, an idiom that you understand well. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you are really entranced by, like, fire and uh, fire and metal, you might get that... that um, And the way that fire and metal, like, interact with things, you might get that smithing magic. Or if your parents were weaver types, then you might get the the thread magic... Because that's what makes sense to you. And it's just sort of like it forms itself into a way that you'll understand it best. Mm-hmm. Just because like, oh, you're born into into your job that's picked for you since birth. I'm not a fan. And I mean, you could obviously like use the thread magic to do many of the same things as the smithing just through a different process but that takes a lot of thought that most people are not going to be able to like put in and i just don't like the pre-decision aspect of it yeah. does that make sense yeah yeah you don't like grand fates and predestination and lack of agency i don't yeah um i yeah i think the most interesting part of the magic is is that it's frequently just a metaphor um and like the way that they work it is like it's the act of like the pattern that's intrinsic in in their weaving or their smithing or whatever that strengthens and reinforces the magic well yeah it's it's the understanding and the pattern that sort of makes it make sense to them and like makes that sense uh express itself upon the world so yeah but like it's like the act of weaving or like 
what's the strengthening process with metals tempering or whatever it that depends on the metal yeah but like you know it's like that that allows them to often make it like more powerful than just your kind of like one-off spell that i find interesting yeah i mean i don't really think that any one-off spell really encapsulates what it does you know okay so i've also yeah i've also read this uh, this other series where it's like magic is whatever metaphor that you can use to make it work (laughs) you know so people just express it through a way yeah i actually like the whole uh whatever metaphor sort of makes sense to you essentially builds into your whole system the the thing is right that Weaving, for example, could really easily be applied to metalworking because you can apply like a like a layer of of the magic strands like underneath the metal or inside of it that make it stronger. You can you can apply the smithing to to cloth by, you know, treating groups of it as part of one thing. It's it's very open in that way, which I sort of find interesting. Um the weirdness of the system is kind of entertaining um, in and of itself because it, it doesn't really have any limits. No. So I think the biggest thing that I want to like put down directly right here is just like, what are the hard limits that people can't go past? Well, like in the series that I've read, there aren't really any hard limits it's just that you know people tend to end up dead when they play with with forces beyond their control but you know this is a group of younglings who like put out a forest fire and uh temporarily like halted an earthquake and stuff like that so well i don't think that this magic seems a little bit too nice for it to like for playing with forces beyond your control to be the exclusive reason that you die it sounds more like uh, badly planned experimentation is what puts you out of your misery. Well, it's like, for instance, like in the first book, some person attempted to like fully stop an earthquake by trying to absorb the energy and turn it into like electricity or something. And then that didn't work. And then the earthquake then got amplified through the spell and then you know, hit the whole world several times harder, and then they had to survive that. Uh, <laughs> if the whole world gets hit by an earthquake, it's a lot bigger than... But it was like, yeah, it was like, don't don't try and stop an earthquake. But I feel like, you know, most people with an iota of common sense would be like, okay, I'm not going to try and stop an earthquake. <laughs> don't try and stop an earthquake like that. Is really you know, the lesson. like don't try and stop a hurricane. Don't try and prevent a volcano from erupting. I mean, you could pretty easily bleed a lot of the force of a hurricane out. Yeah, it's like you can try and redistribute a hurricane, but don't try and stop a hurricane. <laughs> you know, that's just not so. Like, where is that energy going to go? You can't contain it in your body. Well, I mean, if you redirect the hurricane back onto itself. Like, but slowly? Uh, I feel like you're just reinforcing the hurricane. Don't do that. 
if you're reversing the wind so that it goes back into itself. No, no, see, I feel like you would try and stop a hurricane and then die in this story. That's not stopping the hurricane. It's slowing it down. <laughs> and like, really, what you should deal with is the heat imbalance. And that would really easily like cut it down if you dealt with the heat. Without the hurricane itself, because that's where it's drawing its energy. I'm just saying, don't, like, there are certain things that you should should just not, not try. <laughs> but. I don't understand that. I don't understand that thought process. Like, you want to try it, but you want to try it safely in a way that's not going to kill you if you screw up. And, like, my difficulty with this is, like. Even if you do, like, screw it up, how does the attempt make it stronger? Well, it depends on what you just tried to do with the natural disaster. Okay, how does trying to turn the kinetic energy of an earthquake into electrical energy screw it up? Uh, and make it larger? From... Well, I mean, it was a limited explanation because everybody involved in the experiment died. But it was like the energy was bouncing around in the magic crystals that were trying to contain it. Nobody wrote down their plan. No, but like the in the entire epicenter of that experiment got destroyed in a, like a massive Richter eleven earthquake. You know, like like everybody there died. Um, within like a hundred kilometers. A magnitude 11 earthquake? I'm not- I don't know- actually know- like, they don't have Richter scale in this world, but- Okay, it's- Well, ma magnitude- it, I don't think we use the Richter scale anymore, we've changed it to a different- Okay, I- I- I am not- have not kept up with- Oh, wait, no, that's the- that's the hurricane one. Okay, yeah. The Richter scale is- I mean, still in use. I don't- I don't think you can actually get up to 11, because I believe- Oh, no, 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 we do use the moment magnitude scale now. Okay, whatever. The point I just is... just looked it up. The point is... It probably wasn't an 11, but I'm just saying it was a very massive, very, very, very massive earthquake that killed everybody who who was involved in the experiment. So they don't really know what happened. Yeah. I mean, just... Just the ridiculously large magnitude, like... But, like, if it... If, if you're... You know what? I'm not gonna try and apply science to yeah, stop it. people blowing themselves up. Yeah. Okay. 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 Let's just let's just like say that your the limits of what you can do are limited only by your ability to metaphor and your concentration and ability to stay awake. <laughs> okay. You know like, that's that's reasonable. There are certain things that you can't do by yourself, maybe. Or if, you know, you, you can't concentrate for that long. Yeah, sometimes you have to mix your metaphors. Mm. <laughs> okay, so I guess the next step is what do we want our, our main character to be? I sort of want them to have like a weird metaphor that like people aren't used to. Yeah. Um, so they have to figure out their own starting point. Instead of uh, where most people go and they, they have a starting point where they can just, like, look up in a book. Here are some things you can do with magic. Yeah, I want them to have an extremely weird niche hobby. That becomes a metaphor. That or something new. Like a new hobby. A new hobby. 
Well, because it's like, parachuting wasn't a hobby until parachutes were a thing, you know? Yeah, but I don't feel like parachute has, parachuting has enough patterns in it to... Um, you would be wrong about that, but you know what? That just means you don't understand it well enough to write about it, so we're going to skip that one for now. Or like, like, it should... It has to be something that people consider lame, and then we do that, like, Japanese thing where we get, like, way into it. <laughs> it's not a Japanese thing, it's a nerd thing. No, no, like, you know in those animes where they, like, take some kind of activity, and then they're like, but you have to, like, find the, the inner meaning of within the depth. and Yeah, that's not a Japanese thing, that's just a nerd thing, that's a human thing. No, no, but, like, the way that they, like, glorify it. It's like, it, like, it, it happens so many times. Again? So that's just a nerd thing. I know, but, like, it's not like you have Western TV shows. It's popular like in... What do you mean? No, no, I don't... Yes, there are. Like what? I've seen... I've... You know what? Okay. It's not important. Okay. I don't need to explain how it's a universal trope instead of a Japanese-specific one. No, it's not. I'm not saying it's, like, a Japanese-specific trope. I'm just saying it's, like, the thing that they do in a lot of their animes. <laughs> anyway, if we want to make it modern, they could just be a programmer. But I feel like that's boring. Yeah, that would be kind of boring. You just, like, can code everything that you want. That That's... You know, that's just coding. <laughs> well, the thing about code is that a lot of the time, uh, the person who's making it work only barely understands how it works. Which I feel like would be kind of fun as just like a general level, but... <laughs> just like, I'm absolutely certain that this piece of magic works. Why? That's certainly a question. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could make it, like, an extremely frustrating programming language to, for comedic effect. Okay, let's, let's move, it's, I always do comedy, let's, 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 let's be serious now. No, let's pick something else. Like, what? Um, racing, maybe? Racing what? That's a fairly new one. Um, well, I mean, racing on, like... Like, horse racing would have already been a thing, but I, I imagine, like, car racing would be, would be, like, a new thing with its own quirks and stuff. Wow, magic with race car driving as a metaphor sounds extremely dangerous. <laughs> yes, it does. That's so much fun. <laughs> I mean, like, it seems like you would really have to stretch that metaphor. <laughs> What do you even mean? That's like the, ex the direct intent of the magic system. To, like, it, you would just be like, okay, 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 I can make things fast. And then you're like, what if we try and make things... It's about finding the most effective and safe path through a series of differentiated obstacles that depend on what you're trying to do. And what you're up against. Uh, okay, we're, we're going with race car driving, okay. <laughs> okay. If you come up with something better, we can go with that. I mean, you know, we can, we can, we can do race car driving. And then, you know, if you lose control, it'll be the equivalent of a really bad car crash. 
Yeah, and you get injured for it. Uh... The thing that I think I like about it is that it's more important that you maintain control of everything than it is that you actually succeed at what you're trying to do. Because, like, if you lose control, you'll get injured. But the, like, more powerful of a thing you're trying to do, the more, the more, uh, like, strong your, what you're racing against is, like, the, the better the opponent. So if you try to do something that you absolutely cannot do, then it'll just shoot past you and you're like, ah, yes, I have blown a bunch of magic for no reason. Okay. But if you're trying to do something that's, you know, difficult to do, you have to stay ahead of it. And be very careful, uh, because it's more important that you, you know, don't crash and die than it is that you uh, succeed. This is a very strange individual that picked race car driving as their magic vehicle. They didn't pick it, it's just what they understood. Uh-huh. I mean, There's a difference in the two, you know? It's a strange brain that, like, didn't accept one of the well-accepted metaphors of magic. And well, it's not that they accepted it, it's that they didn't understand it enough for it to be the metaphor that connected with them. Yeah, and they just really, really liked racing, and then it turned into magic. Yeah, that's the entire point of the system! <laughs> okay. And then, uh, like, I know I said it's mainly a metaphor, but, like, they do, like, very often, like, do magic through the thing that they're understanding the metaphor through. Like, this person would be casting spells while driving a race car at however, whatever insane speed <laughs> that they drive race cars at. That's awesome, and I love it! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're just, we're just gonna do that. Just, just don't, you know, keep your eyes on the road, but keep your mind on this complex spell that you're trying to cast. <laughs> uh, don't crash. You have to keep your mind on both things at the same time. Don't actually. crash, metaphorically or literally, because either way, you will die. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like that, like, whole daredevil aspect to the magic. And it's like, yeah, no worries. No worries. <laughs> Especially because it. early racing... Early racing, which is what we're basing this off of, was dangerous as all hell. Yeah, yeah, and, and like this crashes is... regularly killed people right at the start of uh, racing with cars. This adds an extra layer of you're gonna die on top of that layer of you're gonna die. Exactly. I feel like this isn't a type of magic that you would use to like. You know, heat your morning coffee. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> it's a very, like, inconvenient type of magic, but I guess very powerful in its way. To make Oh, it yeah, it's probably, like, really, really good at doing, like, large projects and stuff. It's just also really, really bad at doing small things because it's like, ah, oh, yes, I want to heat my morning coffee. And it's like, well, you could definitely do that. Uh, you're risking death. <laughs> or at least your coffee exploding in your face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or like, yeah, it's like, oh shit, I overshot it. All the water in the coffee has boiled away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oops. That's why we have a stove. <laughs> I guess I'm awake now. 
<laughs> having my coffee boil in my face was very stimulating. Who needs caffeine? Yeah. <laughs> You're just vaping caffeine. Oh, oh man. Okay. It doesn't work. Don't do that. That sounds dangerous. And then it's like, okay, so like, okay, so I want like this, this person to be like, you know, mainly a race car driver because there are very few activities or very few spells that warrant this kind of extreme metaphor to be worth the, the risk. But there ha then we have to have some kind of spell, some kind of major necessary spell that needs to be cast or created. And they're like, only you can do it. And then they do the calculations and it's like, you're going to have to be doing laps on the racetrack for the, like at least 12 hours to get this done and you can't crash. And you have to be driving like good times. <laughs> like, no, that's slow nonsense. There's actually like a 24 hour race that exists in the real world. So you could actually really easily look up the effects that that has on people. Oh, God, how many people die on that? Uh, modern times? Very few. Okay. Like, very few, like, not not one every year? Yeah, it's the 24 hours of Le Mans. It's a 24-hour it's a race run. When's the last time someone died in it? Um, you want me to look that up? Uh, I can. Okay, we'll look it up, and then we'll edit out this pause. <laughs> 22 total have died. Okay. Um... There, the most recent one was in 2013. Okay. Um, that's racers, though. Uh, there were civilian casualties <laughs> Oops, in I... 2004. Oh, no. So this is the kind of magic where you can't run anyone else over either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the collateral damage. Oh, shit. Oh man. Look, you gotta be careful, you gotta be smart, you gotta be fast. <laughs> oh my god. And then they're like, wait, are you telling me that I need to like do like collaborative magic with somebody else? Because that probably won't go well with the other person. <laughs> well, they can definitely be supported by people. Yeah, I mean, you can have your pit crew. Yeah, exactly. You have. People who can function as a pit crew with their own magic who are, you know, working to fix things as you go. <laughs> but, like, oh man, why don't we just, you know, up the stakes and be like, so you have your race car magic, and then you just need to partner with this person's skydiving magic, and then, you know, arrive at the destination at the same time. <laughs> 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 because, you know... This, this sort of thing does lend itself to just absolutely ludicrous stakes ex escalation. You know, it's just like, okay, so 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 they're going to jump from the plane up there, and then you're going to accelerate to your maximum speed, and then you have to arrive at the point that they land when they land. But, like, don't run them over, because that would be gross. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then... It's like what are okay, what are we trying to accomplish here? <laughs> I don't know. Um I don't know. It needs to be a pretty big cast like a pretty big uh casting thing. Like it has to be worth it. Like there's a giant asteroid heading towards Earth kind of urgent. <laughs> yeah, something on that scale. 
I suppose we could have a giant asteroid heading towards Earth. But... <laughs> Choose something of that scale, but something that isn't quite that... Quite that played out. <laughs> but, like, what... I don't really know anything else on that scale. <laughs> well, I mean, the giant asteroid is just... I mean, it depends on the size of the asteroid, but there's a pretty big area of this'll kill a country versus this'll kill the entire world, you know? Mm-hmm. So it could be, like, uh, actually something that would be really easy to sort of generate a metaphor, like, to play the metaphor into would be, um, would be essentially like a, like a countrywide disease that's, that's gaining steam. Because that's got the whole race against time aspect, the whole dangerous side aspect. And it's pretty easy to move that into the metaphor, so you build that into the, your cast. I guess. Like, I, because I don't really know why, like, a race car driving magic would be the best to deal with that kind of issue. It's not that this, it's the best on its own. It's that uh, with the once you take the size into account, you no longer want to sort of. It, it's essentially like, do you have the right magic to do this? No. Well, this is a this is a large scale thing that can do the thing you want, even if it may not necessarily be the best. You know. Okay. Let's just say there's a there's a pandemic, which is I guess not hard to imagine. That's extreme. Yeah, at this point, uh, probably not difficult for any of our readers, any of our readers, any of our listeners to imagine. And it's, uh, you know, spreading exponentially as, you know, virulent pathogens do. And the what they need is magic that can accelerate in power to the point that it's it's larger than. The it's a magic pathogen. Uh, oh no! Oh god! <laughs> we got some magic bioterror. It's been boosted by somebody who is yeah exactly. But the point Come is, on. like it the 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 virus is spreading exponentially, so they need acceleration type magic that can outrace the virus spread, so that you yep. have enough magic. To eliminate it all at the same time. And their charioteers and sailors haven't been fast enough yet. Yeah, and if you eliminate, like, you know, chunks of it at once, the the spread just continues. So, like, everybody else is, like, trying to hold it at bay. But they need, they need you know, people like the race car and the, like the skydivers. They want to dedicate as few people as they possibly can to the cure while they're dealing with the symptoms with everybody else. Yeah. And like, you know, the skydiver is like literally accelerating. That's like literal acceleration magic. That's like going <laughs> yeah, towards that's Earth. That's sort of their whole thing. 9.8 meters per second per second. <laughs> acceleration is sort of their whole thing. <laughs> and then... They just have to get this done, and then they can poof the magic, but the other outcome is that they both die. <laughs> exactly. Okay, and they're like, um, I guess I I can't say no, because we have to save the world, but, um, okay. <laughs> it's not the world, it's the country, you know? 
it's no no no. If it's a pandemic, it's we're gonna it's gonna spread beyond the country. It's the continent. There we go. Okay, so the continent is on lockdown. If this doesn't work, they're just gonna have to let everybody on the continent die in quarantine. Well, they're not going to let it happen, but they're not really gonna have a choice either. Yeah, like they can't. There's no. There's no. Yeah, they they would just have to. Lock There's it no down. backup plan here. They would have loved to have a backup plan, but it wasn't. It wasn't in the cards. Unless they find other extreme sport mages, you know, hiding out. <laughs> exactly. You know, base jumping and... <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. I do like the image of extreme sport mages. You know, they have a really, really high uh, mortality rate, so there's never very many of them at the same time. But, you know, the magic they can pull off is really impressive. <laughs> yep. And sometimes it kills a lot of people <laughs> by accident. Oh, man. It depends on the extreme sport. <laughs> okay. So, you know, so they do they do some practice runs without the spell component just to see if they can <laughs> synchronize their skydiving and racing. They make it one time out of five, so you can ratchet up the pressure. Oh, yeah. just, or, like, oh, they do a lot of it through, like, simulations. So, like, they've already crashed, like, a thousand times, and they're like, oh, I'm I've, I've gotten used to the sensation of dying. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> you, know. you know what? If we die, we die. <laughs> Let's go. If we die, we die together. <laughs> no, no, no. They don't die together. That's actually kind of the point. <laughs> They don't die together? What? Yeah, they don't... Like, a, a, the Wraith are crashing halfway through won't necessarily have an effect on the Skydiver, you know? I feel like the magic backlash would still kill the other one. Well, that's also an option. I don't know. I'd put a romance here, but you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that the romance is necessary, but you could throw one in. It's one of those... What's that... What's it called when the shared danger makes people... The dangerous bridge experiment, or whatever. Suspension bridge. There was an experiment. Uh, that's actually a little bit different. Sus suspension bridge effect is slightly different. Oh. That's where, like, helping somebody through a tough situation. What's the one where it's just like you're both in a dangerous and exciting thing, and then it just triggers something? I don't remember. Are you sure that one's not the suspension bridge? It might be like a mutual suspension bridge. I think I'm I'm right. The suspension bridge effect is the yeah. This is the one where they they had the oh yeah. It's the yeah okay. Yeah, they had guys get interviewed by a lady who was attractive while on a bridge that felt dangerous, and they thought she was hot. <laughs> <laughs> that is my summary of the experiment. <laughs> That's a solid uh, explanation, you know. And uh, so they get they kind of have that effect. Plus the whole like, oh, it's pretty nice that you're willing to risk your life to save the world, or you know, a chunk of the world, a continent. Heroic, That's, even. Uh, yeah, you know, admirable. I think that. that uh... Coming into that is a little bit 
icky, but like, you know what? <laughs> we can skip that. What is icky? Sorry to hear. I think that actually acting on any of that is pretty icky, but... Well, they're not going to act on it. They're doing their sims, and then if, like, if they both survive this, they might be able to go on a date later. Or they might both die, you know. You know, ending on, like, a like a maybe they date, maybe they don't, I would actually be okay with that. That would actually be, like, super nice, you know? It's like, oh, we're both alive. Um, yeah, you want to go celebrate? <laughs> but don't say it like that. That sounds, you know, like... Like there, that uh, that wasn't supposed to be a proposition. <laughs> that, that, you want to go celebrate? That sounds like one of those. The eyebrows are like way up. Yeah, I mean, like I feel like if I wrote a character, they would accidentally say it like that, and they're like, no, 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 I don't. Be, I meant, I meant, like, like actually, like, do something fun <laughs> to celebrate, not dying. And when I say fun, I don't mean... Wait, wait, hold on. That was poor phrasing again. I mean, something... And then it's like, I just give up. You know what I mean. (laughs) Okay. That actually sounds really fun, you know? It just, like... Just can't stop making innuendo for a few seconds. You know, it it happens. And then once, once you get into that, like, nothing you say sounds... Not innuendo-y. <laughs> so, you just gotta stop That's talking. That's just where you ended, you know? Yeah, he was like, I'm just gonna walk away now. And then, and the other one's like, okay, no, no, it's okay. We can we can go celebrate. <laughs> and then just laughs. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, so, I guess that's the plot. Yeah. That's our plot. Uh, we've got a bunch of the world in there. We've got, uh, you know, at least the types of characters are ridiculous daredevil uh, people who are really, really in it for the thrill. And the love of the sport. Exactly. Uh-huh. Okay. I like it. Yeah. Okay. So if you like this idea, uh, write it and email us at listeners at unwrittenimaginings.com. You know? Yeah. If you hate this idea, then you can also email us there. You know, if you have a better way to misappropriate Tamara Pierce's Circle of Magic system, email us. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we'd do it again, but you know, it's fun to do every once in a while. And uh, if you have your own story idea that you think would make a good episode, email us at kiss at unwrittenimaginings.com. Just to be sure it's like there's there's an s it's all plural right listeners and guests in case our pronunciation is off and people have been trying to email us this whole time that would be really sad and uh <laughs> unwritten imaginings is also plural hopefully you got that through the name of the podcast but you know you know who knows and then yeah i apologize for the sound quality on my end today it's my headphone mic because I left my actual mic elsewhere. Partially my fault for screwing up her schedule. Yeah, definitely, definitely Atheo's fault, but I'm apologizing because I'm Canadian. Um. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I'll see you, I'll see you next Well, I mean, it's your fault for leaving it there. It's my fault for screwing up the schedule. Well, yes, but we could have recorded it where the mic was. Anyways. It's true. Okay, well, I'll see you guys next week. <laughs>
We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.